Thank you for tuning in to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. If you have not, be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we have some amazing merch and plenty of other things for you guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. Today, we're talking about probably the most popular, if not one of the most popular games of all time that came from a weird, humble beginning that was in an odd alpha build into a beta build um, where you put some blocks down. I mean, this game sort of transcends, I think, the video gaming industry where it's mm-hmm. just so ingrained in life and culture now at this point that, I mean, you're absolutely right. Humble beginnings for sure um, with a, a very good vision that eventually, I mean, it just absolutely took off in a way that I don't think anybody really could have predicted. No, absolutely not. Of course, talking about Minecraft today. and. Yeah, it, it does. It's very much the new Mario for the moms who are talking about games like <laughs> they know Minecraft. Like Super it is so Minecraftio brothers. <laughs> yes, that's one hundred percent it. Great job. Yeah, thank um, you. But yeah, it's 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 so ingrained in pop culture, in everyday life, in media, in you know. I think everyone at this point's probably seen a creeper in some way or another, oh, whether yeah. it's a plushie, some random comic, an online thing, and and it's. Transcended just the kids playing it. And it's one of those games that is so simplistic on the surface. But as you get deeper and deeper into it, whether you are into Redstone, whether you are into just building and creating, especially using uh, different mechanics that all the blocks have, then you are trying to make just much more than the game could have ever thought you could do, especially when you get modders and plenty of other people playing in it. Yeah, and what's really interesting is that this game has the success that it does in a time where I think graphically people expect so much more, Um, and especially because this game has been out for as long as it has and has still continued to be successful, I think it's particularly interesting because there are a lot of games that come out and they just, because they are sort of products of their time. Obviously, they're harder to play. You know, we've talked a lot about games from our childhood on this podcast, Mm -hmm. obviously, because they're important to us, and we can sort of accept some of those flaws. Minecraft, though, built and stylized the way that it is, I think it's interesting that it was able to take off at the time and still continue to be successful. It really shows that, I think, just good gameplay mechanics beat out a lot of the graphical qualities that a lot of other games, modern games, are praised for. 
Yeah, it, it really lived up to that kind of indie title to start where it's not about those graphical enhancements. It's about what makes the game interesting, and that's evolved over time. So let's jump into it, and let's talk about Minecraft. So Minecraft is a sandbox game developed by Mojang Studios. The game was created by Marcus Notch Pearson in the Java programming language. Following several early private testing versions, it was first made public in May of 2009 before being fully released in November 2011, with Notch stepping down and Jens Jeb Bergenston taking over development. Minecraft is the best-selling video game of all time, with over 238 million copies sold and nearly 140 million monthly active players as of 2021, and has been ported to several, if not all, platforms rivaling Doom. In Minecraft, players explore a blocky, procedurally generated 3D world with virtually infinite terrain and may discover and extract raw materials, craft tools and items, and build structures, earthworks, and simple machines. Depending on their chosen game mode, players can fight hostile mobs, as well as cooperate with or compete against other players in the same world. Game modes include a survival mode in which players must acquire resources to build in the world and maintain health, a creative mode where players have unlimited resources and access to flight and basically cannot die. There is also a wide variety of user-generated content, such as modifications, servers, skins, texture packs, and custom maps, which add new game mechanics and possibilities. Minecraft received critical acclaim winning several awards and later being cited as one of the greatest video games of all time. Social media, parodies, adaptations, merchandise, and the annual Minecon conventions played prominent roles in popularizing the game. The game has also been used in educational environments to teach chemistry, computer-aided design, and computer science. In 2014, Mojang or Mojang and the Minecraft intellectual property were purchased by Microsoft for 2.5 billion US dollars. Several spin-offs have been also made, including Minecraft Story Mode, Minecraft Dungeons, Minecraft Earth, and the upcoming Minecraft Legends. Mojang Studios was founded by Marcus Persson, a Swedish independent video game designer and programmer in 2009. He had gained interest in video games at an early age, playing The Bard's Tale and several pirated games on his father's Commodore 128 home computer and learned to program at age 8 with help from his sister. Because he was a loner in school, he spent most of his spare time with games and programming at home. Following his graduation and a few years of working as a web developer, Pearson created Worm Online, a massively multiplayer online role-playing game with colleague Rolf Janssen in 2003. They used the name Mojang Specifications during the development and, as the game started turning a profit, incorporated the company Mojang Specifications AB in 2007. Pearson left the project later that year and wished to reuse the name, so Janssen renamed the company 123 AB and later Code Club AB. Meanwhile, Pearson had joined Midas, later known as King.com, where he developed 25 to 30 games. He departed the company when he was barred from creating games in his free time. Sometimes... When you're not working on your games for work, you want to be working on your games for you. Well, you know, if you have the passion project or like that thing that you really want to make, but is not part of this development cycle, yeah, it's, it's very much like a hostile non-compete clause where it's like, you cannot make your own things in your free time. You can only develop for our company. Totally understand leaving that and being like, no, I want to do my own thing. Absolutely. 
In May 2009, Parison began working on a clone of Infiniminer, a game developed by Zaktronics and released earlier that year. Parison reused assets and parts of the engine code from an earlier personal project and released the first alpha version of the game, now titled Minecraft, on May 17, 2009, followed by the first commercial version on June 13, 2009. He reused the name Mojang Specifications for this release. In less than a month, Minecraft had generated enough revenue for Parison to take off his day job, which he was able to quit entirely by May 2010. As all sales were processed through the game's website, he did not have to split income with third parties. The payment services provider PayPal temporarily disabled his account when it suspected fraud. <laughs> Which I kind of see if like, you're getting some random payments from some website from users and it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's this weird money laundering you're doing here? Pearson, <laughs> we need to talk real quick. Minecraft, the newest, greatest Ponzi scheme. <laughs> but, uh, you know, being an old man now, I remember this. I originally bought my copy of Minecraft from Minecraft website and it was for eight US dollars. Yeah, man. Because uh, when we first bought it, it was all creative mode. It had like like 13 blocks or something like that. So you could just build infinitely, which is one of the, again, a cool test of concept type stuff. So like, oh, this is this is neat. We'll see what it becomes. So it's definitely like that first idea of buying an early access game from a random website for eight bucks just to see if it becomes something. Yeah, I remember playing it and just basically being in one big block in one room yeah. with a bunch of other people. And everyone was just trying to build a tower, basically, <laughs> to see who could get the highest, I think. And some people were running around just trying to ruin everyone else's day. It was kind of chaotic. It was fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, and, and just, just allowing yourself to kind of just build and just kind of make stuff was, was, was a cool start to it and definitely got that off the ground. In September 2010, Pearson traveled to Bellevue, Washington, to the offices of video game company Valve, where he took part in a programming exercise and met with Gabe Newell before being offered a job at the company. He turned down the offer and instead contacted Jacob Porsche, a former colleague from King.com, to ask for aid in establishing a business out of Mojang specifications. In response, Porsier stated that he would quit his job the following day, and they subsequently incorporated Mojang AB. While Pearson continued working on Minecraft, Porsier would develop Scrolls, a digital collectible card game. Wishing to focus on game development, they hired Carl Mana, the manager of J Album, Pearson's previous employer, as chief executive officer. Other significant early hires included Daniel Kaplan as business developer, Marcus Tovian as an art director, and Jens Bergensten as lead programmer. In January 2011, Minecraft reached 1 million registered accounts and 10 million six months thereafter. The continued success led Mojang to start the development of a new version for mobile devices. Due to the incompatibility of the game's Java-based framework with mobile devices, this version was programmed in C++ instead. Scrolls was announced by Mojang in March 2011. The studio's attempt to trademark the game's name resulted in a dispute, obviously, with ZeniMax Media, which cited similarities between the game's name and that of the ZeniMax-owned The Elder Scrolls series. Kaplan stated in May 2011 that, 
Due to many such requests in the past, Mojang was planning to publish or co-publish games from other indie game studios. Its first, Cobalt from Oxai Game Studio, was announced in August. An early version of the game was made available in December 2011, with the full game release in February 2016 for the Xbox 360, Xbox One, and Windows. A multiplayer-focused spin-off, Cobalt Wazd, or WASD, was also developed by Oxai Game Studio and released by Mojang for Windows in November 2017, after some time in early access. For the full release of Minecraft, Mojang held Minecon, a dedicated convention event in Las Vegas on the 18th and 19th of November in 2011, with Minecraft formally being released during a presentation on the first day. Thereafter, Minecon was turned into an annual event. Following Minecraft's full release, Pearson transferred his role as lead designer for the game to Bergensen in December of 2011. Around this time, Mana had discussions with a plethora of venture capital firms, including Sequoia Capital and Excel Partners, but turned all of them down as the company did not require any funds. Sean Parker, the co-founder of Napster and former president of Facebook Incorporated, offered to privately invest in Mojang in 2011, but was turned down as well. At the time, the studio ruled out being sold or becoming a public company to maintain its independence, which was said to have heavily contributed to Minecraft's success. By March 2012, Minecraft had sold 5 million copies, amounting to 80 million US dollars in revenue. In November, Mojang had 25 employees and total revenues of 237.7 million US dollars in 2012. And in 2013, it released an education-focused version of Minecraft for Raspberry Pi devices. And after the exclusivity clause penned with Microsoft over the availability of the game's console edition on Microsoft's platforms had expired, announced editions of the game for PS3, PS4, and the PlayStation Vita. In October 2013, Jonas Martinson, formerly of gambling company Betson, was hired as Mojang's vice president. That year, Mojang recorded revenues of $330 million, of which $129 million were profit. Pearson, exhausted from the pressure of being the owner of Minecraft, published a tweet in June 2014 asking whether anyone would be willing to buy his share in Mojang. Several parties expressed interest in this offer, including Activision Blizzard, Electronic Arts, and Microsoft. Phil Spencer, the head of Microsoft's Xbox division, urged Microsoft's newly appointed chief executive, Satya Nadella, to purchase Mojang to set out a pretty bold vision for Microsoft's gaming business. Furthermore, the company had $2.5 billion in offshore bank accounts that it could not bring back to the United States without paying repatriation taxes. Nadella separately stated the possible use of Minecraft with the HoloLens, Microsoft's mixed-reality device to have been a major factor in pursuing the acquisition. The company first approached Mojang regarding a potential acquisition in June of 2014 after that tweet, of course, making its first offer shortly thereafter, and Mojang subsequently hired advisors from J.P. Morgan Chase. Microsoft's agreement to purchase Mojang for $2.5 billion was announced on September 15, 2014. Pearson, Porcier, and Mana were the only shareholders at the time, of whom Pearson owned 71% of shares. The acquisition was finalized on November 6th, 
and Mojang became part of the Microsoft Studios branch. As part of the transaction, Pearson received $1.8 billion, while Porsier and Mana got $300 million and $100 million, respectively. All three subsequently left Mojang, and Martinson succeeded Mana. Every employee who remained with the company for six months thereafter was awarded a bonus of roughly $300,000 after taxes deducted from Pearson's share. Under the oversight of Microsoft's Matt Booty, Mojang's integration was minimal, leaving its operations independent but backed by Microsoft's financial and technical capabilities. Scrolls was released out of beta in December 2014, and development of further content ceased in 2015. Also in December of 2014, Mojang and Telltale Games jointly announced a partnership in which the latter would develop Minecraft Story Mode, an episodic, narrative-driven game set in the Minecraft universe. In April 2016, Mojang released Crown and Council, a game entirely developed by artist Hendrik Peterson, who had been hired in August 2011, for free for Windows. An update in January 2017 introduced Linux and Mac OS versions. Mojang discontinued support for Scrolls, online services in February 2018, and re-released the game under a free-to-play model and with the name Caller's Bane in June. Aiming to expand the Minecraft franchise with further games, Mojang developed two spin-offs, Minecraft Dungeons, a dungeon crawler, and Minecraft Earth, an augmented reality game in the vein of Pokemon Go. They were announced in September 2018 and May of 2019, respectively. And we also had Minecraft Classic the original browser-based version of Minecraft, which was re-released for free on its 10-year anniversary in May 2019. By this time, Minecraft had sold 147 million copies, making it the best-selling video game of all time. Pearson was explicitly excluded from the anniversary's festivities due to several controversial statements of his involving transphobia and other issues. An update for Minecraft released the March before also removed several references to Pearson. On May 17th, 2020, Minecraft's 11th anniversary, Mojang announced its rebranding to Mojang Studios, aiming to reflect its multi-studio structure and introduced a new logo. Minecraft Dungeons was released later that month for Windows, Nintendo Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. And in June 2022, the studio announced the action strategy game, Minecraft Legends. So it's, again, one of those things that was a weird quick start of just like hey we made this block-based game it's fun it's neat it's cool and then not but a few years later hey we sold it for 2.5 billion yeah i mean as far as indie success stories go this is by far the the biggest <laughs> it's really interesting to go from like you said, those very humble beginnings to, hey, you're getting so much money that PayPal doesn't understand why you're even getting that much money. We need to shut that down to like these very, very wealthy investors trying to get in just because they see the potential, not even because you need the backing, but just because it's a good investment. They could see yeah. it taking off. I mean, it's really interesting. And then, of course, Microsoft to step in and and finally complete that transaction and and the oversight of Microsoft you know to make sure that they're not messing with what this game is and what made it successful I think was a very smart decision on their part just to continue enhancing the game and making sure that the player base remained engaged yes 
I mean, that's one of the biggest things that we're talking about. Just, you know, as, as, as Mojang grew and evolved and adapted is just what it took for, you know, these few people to kind of start building this game together into talking big business decisions and where we see Minecraft today. I mean, as a, as a whole studio suite of multiple things, very much how Riot kind of took League of Legends and made a bunch of kind of spinoffs from that. We're seeing that a lot in these huge properties that can take whether it is their characters, their IP, uh, the, the development side of it, and build it into other adventures and other games <clears throat> is pretty big. And so coming up, I want to get into more of the nitty gritty of development. I wanted to give you kind of the overview of where the studio crazily evolved, but let's get deep into the development side of it and what it took to actually create Minecraft. Before coming up with Minecraft, Marcus Notch Pearson was a game developer with King through March 2009, at the time serving mostly browser games, during which he learned a number of different programming languages. He would prototype his own games during his off hours at home, often based on inspiration he found from other games, and participated frequently on the TIG source forums for independent developers. One of these personal projects was called Ruby Dung, a base-building game inspired by Dwarf Fortress, but as an isometric three-dimensional game like Roller Coaster Tycoon. He had already made a 3D texture mapper for another zombie game prototype he had started to try to emulate the style of Grand Theft Auto Chinatown Wars. Among the features in Ruby Dung he explored was a first-person view similar to Dungeon Keeper, but at the time, felt the graphics were too pixelated and omitted this mode. Around March 2009, Pearson left King and joined J-Album, but otherwise kept working on his prototypes. Infiniminer, a block-based open-ended mining game first released in April 2009, sparked Pearson's inspiration for how to take Ruby Dung forward. InfoMiner heavily influenced the visual style of gameplay, including bringing back the first-person mode, the blocky visual style, and the block-building fundamentals. However, unlike InfiniMiner, Pearson wanted Minecraft to have RPG elements. The original edition of Minecraft, now known as the Java edition, was first developed in May 2009. Pearson released a test video on YouTube of an early version of Minecraft. The base program of Minecraft was completed by Pearson over a weekend in that month, and a private testing was released on TIG IRC on May 16, 2009. The game was first released to the public on May 17, 2009 as a developmental release on TIG Source forums. Pearson updated the game based on feedback from the forums, and this version later became known as the Classic version. Further development phases dubbed as Survival Test, InDev, and InfDev were released in 2009 and 2010. The first major update, dubbed Alpha, was released on June 30th, 2010. Although Pearson maintained a day job with Jalboom.net at first, he later quit in order to work on Minecraft full-time as sales of the Alpha version of the game expanded, thanks to Mr. Alex right here. Pearson continued to update the game with releases distributed to users automatically. These updates included new items, new blocks, new mobs, survival mode, and changes to the game's behavior, example of how water flows. To back the development of Minecraft, Pearson set up a video game company, Mojang, with the money earned from the game. On December 11, 2010, 
Pearson announced that Minecraft was entering its beta testing phase on December 20th of the same year. He further stated that bug fixes and all updates leading up to and including the release would still be free. Over the course of the development, Moyang hired several new employees to work on the project. Moyang moved the game out of beta and released the full version on November 18th, 2011. On December 1st, Jens Jeb Bergensen took full creative control over Minecraft, replacing Pearson as lead designer. On February 28th of 2012, Moyang announced that they had hired the developers of the popular Bucket developer API for Minecraft to improve Minecraft's support of server modifications. This acquisition also included Mo Young apparently taking full ownership of the Craft Bucket server mod, which enables the user of Bucket, although the validity of this claim was questioned due to its status as an open source project with many contributors, licensed under the GNU, the General Public License, and Lesser General Public License. So basically, acquiring a group of modders who run this mod server and kind of creating this first group of mods, I guess is the best way to put it, and how to understand the server better, basically acquiring them to be like, hey, help us make this all better. Since the first full release of Minecraft, dubbed the Adventure Update, the game has been continuously updated with many major updates, available for free to users who have already purchased the game. Early updates frequently introduce gameplay-altering mechanics, while more recent updates tend to enhance the game through additional content or tweaks to existing features. The most recent major update to the game was the Wild Update, which released in June of 2022 and added new creatures, biomes, and items. The original version of the game was renamed to Minecraft Java Edition on September 18, 2017 to separate it from Bedrock Edition which was renamed to just Minecraft by the Better Together update. The Bedrock Edition has also been regularly updated, with these updates now matching the themes of Java Edition updates. Other versions of the game, such as the various console editions and Pocket Edition, were either merged into Bedrock or discontinued, and as such have not received further updates. On April 16, 2020, a beta version of Minecraft implementing physically-based rendering ray tracing, and DLSS was released by NVIDIA on RTX-enabled GPUs. The final version was released on December 8th, 2020. Now, we talked about this a little earlier, and we see this come out of some YouTubers at the time, a couple different organizations like Rooster Teeth, um, making their own convention. And the first one that we see from Minecraft is MineCon, which is an annual interactive live stream and fan convention about the video game Minecraft, hosted by Moyang. The first gathering in 2010 was known as Minecraft Con. The event then went by MineCon name from 2011 to 2019. The MineCon 2011 convention was held in Las Vegas and celebrated the launch of the game with Minecraft-related discussion panels and gaming areas. The most recent in-person convention, MineCon 2016, held in Anaheim, had 12,000 attendees. Since 2017, MineCon has taken form of an interactive live stream, and as such, MineCon 2016 was the last in-person convention to bear the MineCon name. The live stream is called MineCon Earth in 2017 and 2018, and was later renamed to MineCon Live in 2019 and Minecraft Live starting in 2020. The in-person conventions, now to be known as Minecraft Festival, are planned to return in the future. 
So yes, we see Minecraft Live happens each year. It allows the devs and various other influencers within the Minecraft community, mod makers, to be able to talk about and expand upon, obviously, Minecraft releases, what they want for the future, you know, things along that nature, um, that have had some infamous YouTube clips from it, at least the in-person ones. Um, and once they went fully digital, you know, starting early, kind of before our COVID times, but it just made it easier to get the interactivity through a like Twitch live stream than through having a very expensive convention to bring people to. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, you know, with the last few years, would have been difficult for them to, I think, succeed at having that convention anyway. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they made it an interactive live stream, I think, worked to their advantage. Absolutely. So if you haven't played Minecraft, the best-selling game of all time, you might want to get on that. But just in case you haven't, let's talk about the gameplay a little bit, just to make sure everyone's familiar. Minecraft is a 3D sandbox game that has no required goals to accomplish, allowing players a large amount of freedom in choosing how to play the game. However, there is an achievement system known as Advancements in the Java edition of the game, and trophies on the PlayStation ports. Gameplay is in the first-person perspective by default, but players have the option of a third-person perspective. The game world is composed of rough 3D objects, mainly cubes and fluids, and commonly called blocks, representing various materials such as dirt, stone, ores, tree trunks, water, and lava. The core gameplay revolves around picking up and placing these objects. These blocks are arranged in a 3D grid while players can move freely around the world. Players can mine blocks and then place them elsewhere, enabling them to build things. Many commentators have described the game's physics system as unrealistic. And the game also contains a material called redstone, which can be used to make primitive mechanical devices, electrical circuits, and logic gates, allowing for the construction of many complex systems. The game world is virtually infinite and procedurally generated as players explore it using a map seed that is obtained from the system clock at the time of world creation or manually specified by the player. There are limits on vertical movement, but Minecraft allows an infinitely large game world to be generated on the horizontal plane. Due to technical problems when extremely distant locations are reached, however, there is a barrier preventing players from traversing to locations beyond 30 million blocks from the center. The game achieves this by splitting the world data into smaller sections called chunks that are only created or loaded when players are nearby. The world is divided into biomes ranging from deserts to jungles to snowfields, and the terrain includes plains, mountains, forests, caves, and bodies of water and lava. The in-game time system follows a day and night cycle, with one full cycle lasting for 20 real-time minutes. When starting a new world, players must choose one of five game modes, as well as one of four difficulties, ranging from peaceful to hard. Increasing the difficulty of the game causes the player to take more damage from mobs, as well as having other difficulty-specific effects. For example, the peaceful difficulty prevents hostile mobs from spawning, and the hard difficulty allows players to starve to death if their hunger bar is depleted. Once selected, the difficulty can be changed, but the game mode is locked and can only be changed with cheats. New players have a randomly selected default skin of either Steve or Alex, or soon to be a variety of more. 
but the option to create custom skins was made available in 2010. Players encounter various non-player characters known as mobs, such as animals, villagers, and hostile creatures. Passive mobs, such as cows, pigs, and chickens, can be hunted for food and crafting materials. They spawn in the daytime, while hostile mobs, including large spiders, skeletons, and zombies, spawn during nighttime or in dark places such as caves. Some hostile mobs, such as zombies, skeletons, and drowned, which are the underwater versions of zombies, burn under the sun if they have no headgear. Other creatures are unique to Minecraft, which include the Creeper, an exploding creature that sneaks up on the player, and the Enderman, a creature with the ability to teleport as well as pick up and place blocks. There are also variants of mobs that spawn in different conditions. For example, zombies have husk and drown versions that spawn in deserts and oceans, respectively. Minecraft has two alternative dimensions besides the overworld, the main world. They have the nether and the end. The nether is a hell-like dimension accessed via player-built portals. It contains many unique resources and can be used to travel great distances in the overworld. Due to every block traveled in the nether being equivalent to eight blocks traveled in the overworld. Water cannot exist in the nether, as it will vaporize instantly. The nether is mainly populated by pigmen-like mobs called piglins and their zombified counterparts, plus floating balloon-like mobs called ghasts. The player can also build an optional boss mob called the wither out of materials found in the nether. And the end is reached by underground portals in the overworld. It consists of islands floating above a dark, endless void. A boss dragon called the Ender Dragon guards the largest central island. Killing the dragon opens access to an exit portal, which upon entering cues the game's ending credits and a poem written by Irish novelist Julian Gould. Players are then teleported back to the respawn point and may continue the game indefinitely. So technically, this is the quote-unquote end of the game, or at least like the original end of the game for it. It's what speedrunners try and achieve is to get to the Ender Dragon, kill the Ender Dragon, that is kind of like the hard stop for it. However, again, because it's Minecraft, the game goes on forever. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet... You can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. So, a good summation, I think, of the gameplay and just Minecraft as a whole. Parents, if you're listening to this, that's what your kid's been doing this entire time. Now, let's go ahead and hop over to the multiplayer aspect of this game. Multiplayer in Minecraft enables multiple players to interact and communicate with each other on a single world. It is available through direct game-to-game -game multiplayer, LAN play, local split-screen console only, and servers, which are player-hosted and business-hosted. Players can run their own servers, use a hosting provider, or connect directly to another player's game via Xbox Live. 
Single-player worlds have local area network support, allowing players to join a world on locally interconnected computers without a server setup. Minecraft multiplayer servers are guided by server operators, who have access to server commands such as setting the time of day and teleporting players. Operators can also set up restrictions concerning which usernames or IP addresses are allowed or disallowed to enter the server. Multiplayer servers have a wide range of activities, with some servers having their own unique rules and customs. The largest and most popular server is Hypixel, which has been visited by over 14 million unique players. Player versus player combat or PvP can be enabled to allow fighting between players. Many servers have custom plugins that allow actions that are not normally possible. Of course, there is Minecraft Realms, which Mojang introduced in 2013. It is a server hosting service intended to enable players to run server multiplayer games easily and safely without having to set up their own. Unlike a standard server, only invited players can join Realm servers, and these servers do not use IP addresses. Minecraft Java Edition Realm server owners can invite up to 20 people to play on their server, with up to 10 players online at a time. Minecraft Realm server owners can invite up to 3,000 people to play on their server, with up to 10 players online at one time. And the Minecraft Java Edition Realm servers do not support user-made plugins, but players can play custom Minecraft maps. Minecraft Realms servers support user-made add-ons, resource packs, behavior packs, and custom Minecraft maps. At E3 2016, support for cross-platform play between Windows 10, iOS, and Android platforms was added through Realms starting in June 2016, with Xbox One and Nintendo Switch support to come later in 2017, and support for virtual reality devices. On July 31st, 2017, Mojang released the beta version of the update allowing cross-platform play and Nintendo Switch support for Realms was released in July of 2018. So yeah, Realms is what most console users would be familiar with. Um, it is basically allowing you to set up, especially through Xbox support. Um, I know a lot of you in the Discord and things have, have used Realms in that way. Um, it allows you to basically have a self-contained vanilla server. Um, and that's one way to do it. One of the things that's kept me coming back to Minecraft over and over again outside the base game is just the amount of customization and modding support that there is on this Java base game. So the modding community consists of fans, users, and third-party programmers. Using a variety of application program interfaces that have arisen over time, they have produced a wide variety of downloadable content for Minecraft, such as mods, texture packs, and custom apps. Mods of the Minecraft code add a variety of gameplay changes, ranging from new blocks, items, and mobs to entire arrays of mechanisms. The modding community is responsible for substantial supply of new game mechanics, some that enhance gameplay, such as mini-maps, waypoints, and durability counters, to ones that add to the game elements from other video games and media. While a variety of mod frameworks were independently developed by reverse engineering the code, Mojang has also enhanced vanilla Minecraft with official frameworks for modification, allowing the production of community-created resource packs, which alter certain game elements, including textures and sounds. Players can also create their own maps, which are custom world save files, which often contain specific rules, challenges, puzzles, and quests, and share them for others to play. 
Moyang added an adventure mode in August 2012 and command blocks in October 2012, which were created specifically for custom maps in Java Edition. Data packs, introduced in version 1.13 of the Java Edition, allow further customization, including the ability to add new advancements, dimensions, functions, loot tables, predicates, recipes, structures, tags, world generation settings, and biomes. The Xbox 360 edition supports downloadable content, which is available to purchase via the Xbox Game Store. These content packs usually contain additional character skins. It later received support for texture packs in its 12th title update while introducing mashup packs, which combines texture packs with skin packs and changes to the game's sounds, music, and user interface. The first mashup pack, and by extension the final texture pack, for the Xbox 360 edition was released on September 4th, 2013, and was themed after the Mass Effect franchise. Unlike Java Edition, however, the Xbox 360 edition does not support player-made mods or custom maps. A cross-promotional resource pack based on the Super Mario franchise by Nintendo was released for the Wii U edition worldwide on May 17th, 2016. A mashup pack based on Fallout was announced for release on the Wii U edition as well. But in April 2018, malware was discovered in several DLC user-made Minecraft skins for use with the Java edition of the game. Avast stated that nearly 50,000 accounts were infected, and when activated, the malware would attempt to reformat the user's hard drive. Moyang promptly patched the issue and released a statement stating that, quote, the code would not be run or read by the game itself and would only run when the image containing the skin itself was open. And in June 2017, Moyang released an update known as the Discovery Update to the Bedrock version of the game. The update included a new skin, a new game mode, the marketplace, a catalog of user-generated content that gives Minecraft creators, quote, another way to make a living from the game, and more. So again, mods are really what have kept this game, in my opinion, alive for a lot of people. Allowing you to basically run Pokemon in it. Allowing you to create these giant machines such as excavators, flight, like so many other things that are like added in this, like ships, that bring on a whole new life of the game. And even talking about the resource and texture packs, going with ones that give you this insane, like, Unreal 5 tech HDR look to it that burns your computer down, <laughs> but brings this beautiful aspect of the game is, is so cool. And I think we talked about this before with a couple other games, but really, you're going to see so many young devs and video game, de like video game developers and designers coming out of Minecraft mods, allowing you to have a framework to work with these things and then go on to create your own stuff. Yeah, I mean, similarly to how Pearson was inspired by playing video games, you know, being isolated or feeling like mm -hmm. that was his, his big interest, I think that there's going to be a lot of people that were touched by Minecraft in that same regard because the game just invites creativity, a, an outlet for creativity. And Absolutely. I think, you know, obviously modding, uh, I agree with you, modding as an art form in addition to just being, you know, a video game aspect is something that not only gives people sort of a an opportunity to use something else as a basis for something that they want to create, mm -hmm. but it also does absolutely give games like Minecraft a longer, I think, runtime, a more interesting life cycle, because there will probably be a time 
and it's sad to say, where people just don't play Minecraft anymore. I don't know when that time is going to be, but that's just sort of the nature of video games. Eventually, people move on to something else. There will be a new Minecraft-style game, and it'll take a lot of the users that enjoyed Minecraft, and that'll be the game that they play instead. But Minecraft has such a stranglehold right now, I think, in our culture. And mods are absolutely a big part of that. And they will continue to be a big part of other games and their ability to get that same level of stranglehold. Maybe not to the level of Minecraft, but that same sort of transcendence into pop culture. I think mods are largely responsible for that popularity. Absolutely. And and we're going to talk about some clones in a little bit that have come out of Minecraft, of the idea of it. Like the survival craft aspect is pretty much been established by Minecraft. So we're going to talk about what impact that really had. And seeing developers already, you know, growing up with Minecraft or seeing it adjacent and making their own aspect of it. It's true. The game's been out long enough now to where we probably are seeing a little bit of the influence on that or people who are becoming young developers. Absolutely. So real quick, let's hop over to the music and sound. Minecraft's music and sound effects were produced by German musician Daniel Rosenfeld, better known as C418. The background music in Minecraft is instrumental ambient music. And on March 4th, 2011, Rosenfeld released a soundtrack titled Minecraft Volume Alpha. It includes most of the tracks featured in Minecraft as well as other music not featured in the game. Kirk Hamilton of Kotaku chose the music in Minecraft as one of the best video game soundtracks of 2011. On November 9th, 2013, Rosenfeld released the second official soundtrack titled Minecraft Volume Beta, which includes the music that was added in later versions of the game. A physical release of Volume Alpha consisting of CDs, black vinyl, and limited edition transparent green vinyl LPs was issued by indie electronic label Ghostly International, on August 21st, 2015. In addition to Rosenfeld's work, other composers have contributed tracks to the game since its release, including Samuel Auberg, Gareth Coker, Lena Rain, and Kumi Tanioka. And if you want to just chill out for the day and just hang out, open that window up on a nice spring day, play a little Cats, clap that disc in the music player. Oh, Minecraft's music where it is. It's such a simplistic application to music in this way, kind of keep it along that kind of like blocky format, that kind of like lo-fi retro-y look to it. Like the soundtrack in Minecraft is, again, very simplistic, but very complicated. And it's one of those soundtracks that when you hear really almost any song from Minecraft, you know it's from there. It's such a recognizable grouping of music and sounds that really transcend a lot of what the game does. Yeah, I think that it did a really great job at being in the background, being one of those things that Mm -hmm. it doesn't overwhelm you, because I think that's really what Minecraft needed. And so much about, I think, sound design and soundtrack design is about reading the game and really, or or whatever you're doing it for, you know, movies, TV, really just seeing what's on the screen and, and trying to convey a feeling from what you're seeing. And I think that the Minecraft soundtrack does such a good job of, like you said, sort of giving you that, I, I want to say almost like a retro soundtrack, but a little 
less intense because even like arcade yeah. games from the 80s have like a similar style of of sound but it's a little more upbeat and intense and things like mm-hmm. that the minecraft soundtrack does a really great job of sitting where it needs to sit within the game in the moment yeah and it, it never they never built it out to crescendo with the player. Like you're a boss battle. It's not like da na da da na da da da. You know, it's 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 playing through these tracks that are specific to biomes, specific to times, specific to kind of a random generation for what's happening with it. And yeah, the the sound design in Minecraft is just so beautiful. From like even just the feet crunching on grass, like the when you're walking through it, the little bubbling the of the lava. You know. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like all of it's there. Like. The rain, the bubbling of the lava, the cave echoes, the mobs, when you're like, oh, you know that like the zombies are by and you're freaking out to like even like the like hissing burn of a of a creeper starting like those things are all ingrained in people, whether good or bad, whether they're going to have to seek the trauma counseling later from creepers blowing them up. Uh, <laughs> it's it's all done so well. And again, it's simplicity in complexity that these sounds are not things that took a lot to create it, it's not a symphony of a hundred instruments blending together to create this it's simple but it's it's it still evokes the emotions it wants to make and it evokes the sounds and feel that's hard to achieve in other games right now the one mistake made was mm-hmm. with all these different biomes you had an opportunity to tell these people i need to go to the jungle i need to go to a volcano take me to hawaii I need to get mm. that full experience so that I can make this music. Just like a lot of the other games that we've covered where they go in, bring the microphone. You got to capture those real caveman sounds, those authentic <laughs> lava sounds. Get up close. No, but really, I mean, it's doing it the smart way. It's, it's just sitting there and looking at it, not making it too complicated. What does lava kind of sound like? How am I not stressing people out in this game with building Mm -hmm. blocks, basically? I mean, if you want to break it down in its original conception, you know, essentially a a mega blocks in the virtual realm type of game with some RPG elements, you know, keeping it simplistic and just showing what's on the screen and communicating that through sound. Perfect soundtrack, perfect decision making. And that's Derek's pretentious soundtrack take for the afternoon. <laughs> no, it's it's it, no, it, it is. It's it's a great take on it, in my opinion. It's fantastic. And the other thing, um, if you're able to get this is the Alex Corner we talked about in a little bit, but if you're able to get into the vinyls, they do re-releases of them, C four eighteen vinyls and a bunch of other different concepts from plenty of different distributors from it. It's worth getting. It's worth picking up. Minecraft is definitely, as far as vinyl collecting goes, the one video game soundtrack that I think I see available the most frequently. A lot of these things, they they come out and you're just not able to get them unless you're sitting on your computer waiting for them. Minecraft, that's not really the case. I, I think it's pretty widely available just because of the demand, really, for just Minecraft anything. Absolutely. So yeah, like you were saying, let's jump to... The release version. So obviously we know Java. We know Bedrock for the most part and the variations that are in between that. But let's talk about a couple others. We have Minecraft Pocket Edition. In August 2011, Minecraft Pocket Edition was released for the Xperia Play on the Android market as an early alpha version. 
It was then released for several other compatible devices on October 8th, 2011. An iOS version of Minecraft was released on November 17th of the same year. A port was made available for Windows phones shortly after Microsoft acquired Mojang. The port concentrates on the creative building and the primitive survival aspect of the game and does not contain all the features of the PC release. On his Twitter account, Jens Bergenstein said that the pocket edition of Minecraft is written in C++ and not Java, due to iOS not being able to support Java. However, there now exists a way to play Java edition on both Android and iOS devices. On December 10th, 2014, a port of Pocket Edition was released for Windows Phone 8.1. And in 2017, Microsoft announced that it would no longer maintain the Windows Phone versions of Pocket Edition. And on December 19th, 2016, the full version of Minecraft Pocket Edition was released for iOS, Android, and Windows Phone. Now, Pocket Edition was replaced by Minecraft Bedrock Edition in 2017, enabling crossplay with the Xbox One and Nintendo Switch editions, as we had stated earlier, kind of integrating all of these different things together to be able to play with your friends, as, you know, that's what you want to do. And of course, there was Minecraft for Windows, which is exclusive to Microsoft's Windows 10 and Windows 11 operating systems. The beta release for Windows 10 launched on the Windows Store on July 29th, 2015. After nearly one and a half years in beta, Microsoft fully released Minecraft for Windows on December 19th, 2016, called the Ender Update. This release implemented new features to this version of Minecraft, like world templates and add-on packs. This version has the ability to play with Xbox Live friends and to play local multiplayer with owners of Minecraft on other Bedrock platforms. Other features include the ability to use multiple control schemes such as a gamepad, keyboard or touchscreen for the Microsoft Surface and other touchscreen enabled devices. Virtual reality support has been implemented as well as the ability to record and take screenshots in-game via the Windows built-in game DVR. As of June 7, 2022, the Java and Bedrock editions of Minecraft for Windows were merged into a single title for purchase. Those who own one version would automatically gain access to the other, and both game modes would otherwise remain separate. So yeah, for some reason you didn't buy it, but you want it locked to your specific windows, you can do it <laughs> if you want. <laughs> but, you know, I like to be free-floating. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier too, but I want to go in slightly with the Raspberry Pi Edition, which was officially revealed at Minecon 2012. The Pi Edition is based on an alpha version of Pocket Edition with the added ability of using text commands to edit the game world. Players can open the game code and use the Python programming language to manipulate things in the game world. It also includes a scripting API to modify the game and server software for multiplayer. The game was leaked on December 20th, 2012, but was quickly pulled off. It was officially released February 11th of the following year. Mojang stopped providing updates to Minecraft Raspberry Pi Edition in 2016, and it is pre-installed on Raspberry Pi OS and can be downloaded for free from the official Minecraft website. And we've touched on this a few times, but virtual reality for Minecraft was initially planned by Pearson for the Oculus Rift. However, after Facebook acquired Oculus in 2013, he abruptly canceled plans, noting, Facebook creeps me out. That's a direct quote. A community-made modification known as Minecraft VR was developed in 2016 to provide virtual reality support to Minecraft Java Edition oriented toward Oculus Rift hardware. 
A fork of the Minecraft VR modification known as Vivecraft ported the mod to OpenVR and is oriented towards supporting HTC Vive hardware. On August 15, 2016, Microsoft launched official Oculus Rift support for Minecraft on Windows 10. Upon its release, the Minecraft VR mod was discontinued by its developer due to trademark complaints issued by Microsoft, and Vivecraft was endorsed by the community makers of the Minecraft VR modification due to its Rift support and being superior to the original Minecraft VR mod. Also available is a Gear VR version, titled Minecraft Gear VR Edition. Windows Mixed Reality support was added in 2017, and on September 7, 2020, Mojang Studios announced that the PS4 version of the game would be getting a PlayStation VR support in the same month. The only official supported VR versions of Minecraft are the PS4 version, Minecraft Gear VR Edition, and Minecraft for Windows 10 for Oculus Rift and Windows Mixed Reality headsets. So, if you got something that you can jump in and go chop, 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 slap, 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 get some blocks down, might as well jump into it. Just as person intended. <laughs> chop, 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 person. slap, slap, slap. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that's what he said when he uh, did his first announcement. Also a direct that's quote. That's just me. Also yeah. a direct quote. <laughs> also, also a fantastic direct quote. <laughs> so, as I had mentioned earlier, I wanted to talk about clones. And... I'm not saying that in a negative connotation. These are a lot of games that took the idea of Minecraft, took a lot of the aspect of it, some directly, and somewhat made it their own. So after the release of Minecraft, other video games were released with various similarities to Minecraft, and some were described as being clones. Examples include Ace of Spades, Castle Miner, Craft World, Fortress Craft, Terraria, Total Miner, and Mindtest. David Frampton, designer of the Blockheads, reported that one failure of his 2D game was the low-resolution pixel art that too closely resembled the art of Minecraft, which resulted in some resistance from fans. A homebrew adaptation of the alpha version of Minecraft for the Nintendo DS, titled DSCraft, has been released. It has been noted for its similarity to the original game considering the technical limitations of the system. In response to Microsoft's acquisition of Mojang and their Minecraft IP, various developers announced further clone titles, developed specifically for Nintendo's consoles, as they were the only major platforms to not officially receive Minecraft at the time. These clone titles include UCraft, Cube Life Island Survival, Discovery, Battle Miner, Cube Creator 3D, and Stone Shire. So, yeah, I mean, it's such a simplistic game style, somewhat easy to make in a way, and a lot of these look like direct ripoffs, especially the mobile versions of it. But, you know, if you're not into Minecraft and you want a, another weird version, they're out there. So it's interesting, you know, there's there's a lot of clones obviously of Minecraft, but Minecraft sort of coming from a really direct inspiration from Infiniminer. I'm curious, Alex, well, do you feel like there is a, enough of a separation between Infiniminer and Minecraft and Minecraft and these clones? I would say that there's more of a, a, a difference between Infiniminer and Minecraft than there are from some of these clones. There's definitely differences in some of them, and I played them early on. But for the most part, and I, I think having Minecraft a more insanely established brand than Infiniminer, we see that oh, this game's based on Minecraft. This game steals from Minecraft. This game is Minecraft, but different. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's 
hard to say with that because you're always going to have like any survival craft game. And Terraria was like this, you know, Terraria taking on almost the Infinimire look of it, of having it be 2D platform again, where in Terraria, it's just like up and down mining. You can mine like sideways in a bit, but there's no three dimensions to it. And eventually both Terraria and Minecraft noticed each other and saw it like, you know, Minecraft, when you started up, has some of those welcome messages. On occasion, it says, like, go play Terraria. And in Terraria, it's go play Minecraft. So that, that kind of idea of like, yes, they took the idea of mining and, and survival craft and, and building, but achieved it in a whole different way and earned the respect of Moyang and the community. And both have separate communities that definitely intertwine at times. Like Terraria is a huge, huge community. Mm-hmm. And some people prefer that way of, of, of playing the game and building than it is to do a 3D realm of it. Yeah. I think that's a great take. And I agree with you entirely. Good. Otherwise, we'd have fighting <laughs> words. <laughs> so obviously, Minecraft, you see it everywhere. Even if you haven't played it, you've more than likely seen it referenced, seen it at uh, the grocery store. You know, you see it at a Walmart. Maybe you're buying a game for your kid and you just see it in little memorabilia. Whatever it may be, obviously a massive cultural impact from this game. And in September of 2019, The Guardian classified Minecraft as the best video game of the 21st century, at least so far. And in November 2019, Polygon called the game the most important game of the decade in its 2010's Decade in Review. In December 2019, Forbes gave Minecraft a special mention in a list of the best video games of the 2010s, stating that the game is, quote, without a doubt, one of the most important games of the last 10 years. In June 2020, Minecraft was inducted into the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Minecraft is recognized as one of the first successful games to use an early access model to draw in sales, as Alex had stated, prior to its full release version to help fund development. And as Minecraft helped to bolster indie game development in the early 2010s, it also helped to popularize the use of the early access model in indie game development. Social media sites such as YouTube, Facebook, and Reddit played a significant role in popularizing Minecraft. Research conducted by the University of Pennsylvania's Annenberg School of Communication showed that one-third of Minecraft players learned about the game via internet videos. In 2010, Minecraft-related videos began to gain influence on YouTube, often made by commentators. The videos usually contain screen capture footage of the game and voiceovers. Common coverage in the videos includes creations made by players, walkthroughs of various tasks, and parodies of works in pop culture. By May 2012, over 4 million Minecraft-related YouTube videos had been uploaded. The game would go on to be a prominent fixture within YouTube's gaming scene during the entire 2010s, and in 2014, it was the second most searched term on the entire platform. By 2018, it was still YouTube's biggest game globally. Some popular commentators have received employment at Machinima, a gaming video game company that owns a highly watched entertainment channel on YouTube. The Augustcast is a British company that regularly produces Minecraft videos. Their YouTube channel has obtained billions of views, 
and their panel at Minecon 2011 had the highest attendance. Other well-known YouTube personalities include Jordan Marin, who had created many Minecraft parodies, including Minecraft Style, a parody of the YouTube sensation Gangnam Style by South Korean rapper Psy. Minecraft's popularity on YouTube was described by Polygon as quietly dominant. Although in 2019, thanks in part to PewDiePie's playthrough of the game, Minecraft experienced a visible uptick in popularity on the platform. YouTube later announced that on December 14th, 2021, the total amount of Minecraft-related views exceeded 1 trillion since the game's inception in 2009. Minecraft has been referenced by other video games, such as Torchlight 2, Team Fortress 2, Borderlands 2, Choplifter HD, Super Meat Boy, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, The Binding of Isaac, The Stanley Parable, The Stanley Parable, FTL, Faster Than Light, and Super Smash Bros. Ultimate the latter most of which features a downloadable character and stage based on Minecraft. It was also referenced by electronic music artist Deadmau5 in his performances, or as we in the true music biz like to call him, Deadmau5. <laughs> the game is also referenced That's how heavily. I've always read it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how you have to sure. read it. Read it as it says. The game is also referenced heavily in informative murder porn. The second episode of the 17th season of the animated television series South Park. Lucas, or as we in the business like to say, Luca Dollar Sign, the 17th episode of the 25th season of the animated show The Simpsons, and Minecraft is for Everybody by Starbomb was inspired, obviously, by Minecraft. So, as we both said, it's for most of you who are listening, uh, depending on your age, and I mean, if you're pretty much like 26, 27 under right now, like this was part of your childhood. Like, this is such a huge cultural impacting game that pretty much any young person knows and knows of and has possibly played in some sense of it. And it's wild. And it's, it's so interesting to see like 1 trillion plays on YouTube. Now let's talk about the monetization of that and where people made money with it and just how much like revenue just outside of this was created as a global economy. Thinking of like just like big terms like that is insane. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something that we could relate it to from our childhood. The only thing that really comes to mind is Pokemon. Yeah. Maybe Yu-Gi-Oh! or just kind of trading cards as a whole because it really did transcend this video game world and just become a thing where it's in parades and there's toys and there's cards and, you know, other things, of course, have those tie-ins. Um, and, and they try and enter that realm. But the level of success where it becomes this global phenomenon, I really haven't seen it hit in the way that Minecraft has mm -hmm. since Pokemon. Yeah, I, I, would, I would fully agree. I, I think that's the best example of it is like a property that, you know, started off in Japan, slowly built itself into a game and then expanded literally outside of that is definitely the closest thing. But if we're talking on an independent level, I don't think anything will ever broach what Minecraft has done. I don't think anything will ever come as close to what Minecraft is. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they were able really to do this without big budget backing mm -hmm. is really interesting, that they were able to self-finance this mega hit. I agree with you 100%. I think yeah. that indie gamers, indie indie devs, rather, um, are able to make 
very successful games. I mean, Stardew Valley is another mm-hmm. massively mm-hmm. successful game, not quite to the level of Minecraft, but it's, I think, extremely, extremely difficult to do. Obviously, this is the pinnacle of what I think an indie dev would hope to achieve, but most of the time, they're just kind of going out there and doing their passion projects. I don't think yeah. this level of success is really on their realistic radar of course everyone wants this level of success because sure. at the end of the day they just want people to like their game yeah and and i think that's exactly it and and f- you know coming from a game that had basically no marketing budget no budget outside of social media and say what you want about social media i am a person that's not really on it but when it comes to the impact of things like this and the virality of it and what that entails to it is insane and being on that kind of like opening cusp of social media becoming part of all daily life for people was such a godsend for this to be able to see like, this is what it does. I remember kind of first hearing about this online and, and, and seeing it and being like, yeah, you just put these blocks down. You can make stuff. You can build these things. I'm like, kind of cool, pretty simplistic, but kind of cool for like a, a fun game that allows you to kind of do whatever you wanted. Cause up until that point, we didn't really have anything. I don't want to say as advanced, but that allowed you to do whatever you wanted. Like, take the things that are here and build it, break it, do whatever you want. We never really had that. So bringing this in, even in a simplistic manner, was such a smart move. And we've seen now that there are people who, I think, look at Minecraft, and it has benefits beyond just being a video game. And so Mm -hmm. the possible applications of Minecraft have been discussed extensively, especially in the fields of computer-aided design and education. In a panel at Minecon 2011, a Swedish developer discussed the possibility of using the game to redesign public buildings and parks, stating that rendering using Minecraft was much more user-friendly for the community, making it easier to envision the functionality of new buildings and parks. In 2012, a member of the Human Dynamics Group at the MIT Media Lab, Cody Sumter, said, Notch hasn't just built a game. He's tricked 40 million people into learning to use a CAD program. Various software has been developed to allow virtual designs to be printed using professional 3D printers or personal printers such as MakerBot and RepRap. In September 2012, Moyang began the Block by Block project in cooperation with UN Habitat to create real-world environments in Minecraft. The project allows young people who live in those environments to participate in designing the changes that they'd like to see. Using Minecraft, the community has helped reconstruct the areas of concern, and citizens are invited to enter the Minecraft servers and modify their own neighborhood. Carl Manna, Moyang's managing director, called the game the perfect tool to facilitate this process, adding, quote, The three-year partnership will support UN Habitat's Sustainable Urban Development Network to upgrade 300 public spaces by 2016. Moyong signed the Minecraft building community, Fire UK, to help render the environments into Minecraft. The first pilot project began in Kybera, one of Nairobi's informal settlements, and is in the planning phase. The Block by Block project is based on an earlier initiative started in October 2011, Mina Kavarder, which means My Block, which gave young people in Swedish communities a tool to visualize how they wanted to change their part of town. According to Mana, the project was a helpful way to visualize urban planning ideas without necessarily having a training in architecture. 
The ideas presented by the citizens were a template for political decisions. In 2013, Stuart Duncan, known online as Autism Father, started a server for autistic children and their families called Autcraft. The server was created because the public servers had many bullies and trolls that made the autistic kids angry and feel hurt. It was constantly monitored to help players and prevent bullying. The server had a whitelist that only allowed approved players, of which there are 8,000 players worldwide in 2017. The server had a unique ranking system based on the attributes of the player, offering titles such as Player of the Week and Caught Being Awesome. The server was called, quote, one of the best places on the internet and was a subject of a research paper. In April 2014, the Danish geodata agency generated all of Denmark in full scale in Minecraft based on their own geodata. This is possible because Denmark is one of the flattest countries with the highest point at 171 meters or 561 feet, ranking as the country with the 30th smallest elevation span, where the limit in default Minecraft is around 192 meters or 630 feet above in-game sea level. Taking advantage of the game's accessibility where other websites are censored, the non-governmental organizations Reporters Without Borders have used an open Minecraft server to create the Uncensored Library, a repository within the game of journalism by authors from countries including Egypt, Mexico, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Vietnam, who have been censored and arrested, such as Jamal Khashoggi. The neoclassical virtual building was created over about 250 hours by an international team of 24 people. And despite its unpredictable nature, Minecraft has become a popular game for speedrunning, where players time themselves from being dropped into a new world to reaching the end and defeating the Ender Dragon boss. Some speedrunners use a combination of mods, external programs, and debug menus, while other runners play the game in a more vanilla or a more consistent-oriented way. So it's, it's just such an interesting look on, you know, what, again, what to us, Derek, is a simplistic program dropping blocks that's Java-based, that's what we know, to people over the world using this for a multitude of things. And I do, the one thing I do know when I was writing about this was that uncensored library, and that has expanded into banned textbooks, banned books, banned things from your country that you may not be able to access, but you can access through Minecraft. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how other people view this game and really what an open-ended type of game like this can ultimately bring out in people and in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many video games that are designed with a specific purpose and then Minecraft comes along and it says, no, I I don't really want to do that. I'm going to give you some tools and you are able to create things in this world, but we're going to try and do what we can to make sure that you're not limited in that regard. We're going to give you the ability to mod this. We're going to give you the ability to have your own servers and your own rules and all these other things within it. Because at the end of the day, it's a game that exists to foster creativity. And that professional organizations are willing to use Minecraft and, and be open to that, I think is a testament to those organizations as well as Minecraft, because those organizations that are doing youth outreach and trying to get, you know, kids from different communities to be interested in engaging in those communities, mm-hmm. using Minecraft as a way to build that relationship, I think is a really, really smart, um, reasonable idea that you don't see too frequently 
2022 and obviously before even when this um, first started happening. So really, really interesting. Um, probably my favorite thing about Minecraft. Minecraft surpassed over a million purchases less than a month after entering its beta phase in early 2011. At the same time, the game had no publisher backing and has never been commercially advertised except through word of mouth and various unpaid references in popular media such as the Penny Arcade webcomic. By April 2011, Pearson estimated that Minecraft had made 23 million euro or US 33 million in revenue with 800,000 sales of the alpha version of the game and over 1 million sales of the beta version. In November 2011, prior to the game's full release, Minecraft beta surpassed 16 million registered users and 4 million purchases. By March 2012, Minecraft had become the 6th best-selling PC game of all time, and as of October 10, 2014, the game has sold 17 million copies on PC, becoming the best-selling PC game of all time. As of October 10, 2014, the game has sold approximately 60 million copies across all platforms, making it the best-selling video game of all time, and on February 25, 2014, the game reached 100 million registered users. By May of 2019, five years later, 180 million copies have been sold across all platforms. And the free-to-play Minecraft China version had over 300 million players by November of 2019. By April of 2021, Minecraft sold more than 238 million copies worldwide. The Xbox 360 version of Minecraft became profitable within the first day of the game's release in 2012, when the game broke the Xbox Live sales record with 400,000 players online. Within a week of being on the Xbox Live Marketplace, Minecraft sold upwards of a million copies. GameSpot announced in December 2012 that Minecraft had sold over 4.48 million copies since the game debuted on Xbox Live Arcade in May 2012, and in 2012, Minecraft was the most purchased title on Xbox Live Arcade, and it was also the fourth most played title on Xbox Live based on average unique users per day. In addition, Minecraft Pocket Edition has reached a figure of 21 million in sales. The PS3 edition sold 1 million copies in 5 weeks. And the release of the game's PlayStation Vita version boosted Minecraft sales by 79%, outselling both PS3 and PS4 debut releases and becoming the largest Minecraft launch on a PlayStation console. The PS Vita version sold 100,000 digital copies in Japan within the first two months of release, according to announcement by SCE Japan Asia. By January 2015, 500,000 digital copies of Minecraft were sold in Japan across all PlayStation platforms, with a surge in primary school children purchasing the PS Vita version. Minecraft helped improve Microsoft's total first-party revenue by 63 million U.S. dollars for the 2015 second quarter. So we've talked about this a bunch throughout here of different numbers thrown about and pricings and things like that, but it is insane how quickly this profited. And, and bear in mind, this is not a $50, $60, $70 full-price game. I mean, you're talking at the start it was $8 into fifteen dollars into twenty to I think it's a twenty-five or thirty dollars right now, maybe. Yeah, um, I think it's thirty. Yeah. And and so it's it's obviously gone up over time, just as costs of hosting things have gone up and, and as as prices rise. But it's 
insane that it has made this amount of money and sold this many units. And again, that really helped contribute to it. It was affordable for a lot of people, and it brought so much revenue to Microsoft really early on. And Phil Spencer, many may say he's a genius. Many may say he is my face in my head when I'm thinking about true gaming people. But really, what? smart man. <laughs> listen, listen. Listen, very smart man to be able to get this to rolling and purchasing things. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely to... saw the potential and saw the cha-ching dollar signs. Yeah. You know, obviously the game was already successful enough in its stages, its early stages before it needed that backing to where this is a, I mean, put the ball on a tee and just swing away. This is a home run, baby. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, it, it, it also helps that you had 2.5 billion sitting in a bank that you didn't want taxed. So that definitely helps too. But it does. Yeah. <laughs> I digress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So early versions of Minecraft received critical acclaim, praising the creative freedom it grants players in game, as well as the ease of enabling emergent gameplay. Critics have praised Minecraft's complex crafting system, commenting that it is an important aspect of the game's open ended gameplay. Most publications were impressed by the game's blocky graphics with IGN describing them as, quote, instantly memorable. Reviewers also like the game's adventure elements, noting that the game creates a good balance between exploring and building. The game's multiplayer feature has been generally received favorably, with IGN commenting that adventuring is always better with friends. Jazz McDougall of PC Gamer said Minecraft is, quote, intuitively interesting and contagiously fun, with an unparalleled scope for creativity, and memorable experiences. It has been regarded as having introduced millions of children to the digital world, insofar as its basic game mechanics are logically analogous to computer commands. A review of the alpha version by Scott Munro of the Daily Record called it already something special and urged readers to buy it. Jim Rossignol of Rock Paper Shotgun also recommended the alpha of the game, calling it, quote, a kind of generative 8-bit Lego stalker. On September 17, 2010, gaming webcomic Penny Arcade began a series of comics and news posts about the addictiveness of the game. The Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 versions were generally received positively by critics, but did not receive as much praise as the PC version. Although reviewers were disappointed by the lack of features such as mod support and content from the PC version, they acclaimed the port's addition of a tutorial and in-game tips and crafting recipes, saying that they make the game more user-friendly. The Xbox One edition was one of the best-received ports, being praised for its relatively large worlds. And yeah, overall, like it's the PC is the dominant one. It's where Java was built. It's where you can keep building upon it versus C++, where those typically come out a little bit later as they, they transform right over to there. But you can't deny that Minecraft is not one of the, if the, not the most important game of our current generation of gaming. It's a game that, again, helped establish this for a lot of kids to get into that digital space. It's a game that's simple enough, but complex enough to keep you coming back for hours and hours and hours to build your terrible wooden house that you eventually build into a slightly less terrible wooden house while your friend builds this uh, beautiful mansion next to you. <laughs> it, it allows for just so much fun and so much silliness. And again, mods truly extend that life. and. It's going to go down as 
possibly the most important game in history. But I digress. And let's move it over to you, Derek. Let the people know. Why did we choose this game? What do you think of it? Well, Minecraft, as we've said throughout the episode, just a great, great avenue that allows for creativity from all ages, all levels of gamer. I think that its accessibility is probably its most beneficial asset yeah. in its success. And I love that this game is used to help solve real-world problems. I love that this game, you know, really gave the freedom to modders to be able to kind of create their own rules within the game and their own mm -hmm. worlds. And I think that if you are involved in any type of video gaming at all, you've probably been touched by this game in some regard. And if you weren't a video gamer when Minecraft came out, I'm sure you are at least familiar with what Minecraft is just because of its place in pop culture. Yeah. And it's given not only a video game, but it's also given loads and loads of entertainment on YouTube. As you said, it's been basically responsible for its own small economy. I'm curious what yeah. the GDP output of Minecraft is. Uh, would be really interesting to see a study on that. But yeah, man, I mean, it is such a massive endeavor that really started as this very, very simple idea that came from another mining idea and blew up into this massive machine that basically like a, a self, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here. No, it, it's, it's very much like, like you're saying, like, like this, this very self-actualized thing that built upon itself, like you said, its own economy, its own like demands, its own bill. Like, it, it's, it's its own entire world. Exactly. And I, I think that this game is still going to stick around for a really long time. I do think that mods are a big part of that, but it receives mm -hmm. a lot of support as well, you know, and that helps when, you know, people aren't just willing to move on. The people that are responsible for the game aren't just trying to move on from it. They're saying, this is still good. This still gets a lot of users. We can retain them by continuing to support this game. So let's do that. And I would love to see a lot more of that in the industry. I think that too often people try and move on from games like Minecraft. So you can see just with the success of Minecraft, what that could mean for other video games if they were to take that same approach. For me, this game, 10 out of 10, no question. Alex, what about you? I fully agree. I mean, Minecraft established very much how... Dota 2, but really League of Legends established kind of the MOBA genre of it. Um, Fortnite, actually DayZ, established a lot more of the Battle Royale aspects of it. We see Minecraft taking, you know, again, inspirations from other games, but creating this whole survival craft thing that built into so much more, into super realistic zombie crafting games, into more silly block games, into just so many aspects that have a crafting menu. You can pretty much thank Minecraft for that. Very much how kind of The Legend of Zelda is kind of the grandpappy of every kind of adventuring game out there until we eventually get like Soulsborne. Minecraft is going to hold that title, I think, forever of basically establishing so many different gaming genres, establishing YouTube 
as a kind of a gaming thing. YouTube gaming was kind of spawned out of that and, and, and rolling it over to Twitch for some of that. It's, it's crazy to see like what impacts this has. And like you said, it's, I, I love seeing the aspect of taking it not just as a game, but applying it so much more outside of there. I think one of the silliest things I've seen of like, not a game, but literally a game, is someone using Redstone, which we kind of touched on, but it is to use to create basic, you know, yes, no kind of on-off programming. Someone built Minecraft in Minecraft and could play Minecraft while in my, like it's, it's insane what you can do with like these like simplistic things they've added, but it's so much. So if I had to give it a rating, I would give it a her out of uh, out of the little drippy sound when you're in a cave, which I very much enjoy. Um, out most of a, people would consider that like a torture method. Just a little oh, so, drip some of water would. on the forehead. The little oh, some sound would. Drives you're doing, you're doing a little. Insane. You're doing a little strip mining, trying to get some iron down to get those diamonds. Listen, it's understandable. Um, <laughs> and then divide that by the yell of a gas, um, which is probably the worst thing um, in the game, and I hate gas so much, um, out of a blocky 10. Nice. The, the most agreeable one yet. Thank you. And the, the math is definitely... It added up this time. It added Relative. up to like those those yes. those sixty four you know blocks going to this way and that way and understanding like where those those decimals hit. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, no question. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music for this was written, recorded, and given to us by our friend Evan Barr. And our artwork was provided by Aaron Shattuck. As always, we want to thank the beautiful people that support us in a monetary sense, some might say, but that is our patrons. You can check us out on patreon.com slash finish the fight, where we've got plenty of physical and digital rewards. As Derek said, we've got our Minecraft server, which once this launches, we'll probably really spin up and get a lot of you in there, have some fun with it. Um, it's a great time, as well as plenty of other rewards. But want to thank some of those select members today with Sky the Bear, Duststorm, Snide T Bird, that LL Gamer Guy, Nick Hyman. Climbing Spork, Lee Tomjohn, Keller Kane, and Brian Yost. Thank you all so much for your support. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't yet, please drop us a review. It helps us out a lot, and we love to hear from you. As always, you can catch us over on Twitch. You can see me at twitch.tv slash sourman70. That's twitch.tv slash sourman seven zero as well as Derek over at twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. That is twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We are also on Discord. It's free to join. Alex and I are hanging out in there all the time, talking games, talking movies, talking TV shows, talking music, talking food, pets, whatever, anything. We're talking about it all. Come join us. We'd love to see you. And on that, let's talk about a little Minecraft. Does this deserve the title it has? Are you addicted like I am, where you have to get your fix like once a year, but then you hate it, but then you come back to it because it's fun at times, and then the server's there too. What do you think is a game that rivals it? You know, Derek and I have talked about Pokemon, but what do you think is the true challenge to it? Let us know. As always, I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Steve. And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast.